Welcome to Open Minds UFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with uh, the everybody, the fan favorite, Martin Willis. Hello, Martin. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. I've got a, somebody in the kitchen destroying the place like a bear or a Sasquatch got loose in the kitchen or something. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's my lovely Karen uh, probably getting some soda or something. Um, she is addicted to Coke Zero, by the way. Uh, I think a lot of people are because it's like out a lot. But uh, is uh, that health health food? Oh, I'm, no, Coke Zero. It's zero calories. Yeah, but uh, and it tastes great. But uh, I don't know that it's a health food. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I think I was so how have you been, Martin? I started a rumor last week or the week before that you, I, I didn't really start a rumor, but uh, yeah. I think I gave the impression that you were dead or dying. I had a lot of email. I guess a lot of people you listen did. to your show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually thought, I actually thought I, I, I hate even talking about it, but I thought I had COVID. So um, I well, was laying low. You had and, symptoms. Yeah. And I went and got tested and no. And then I said, well, if that's not it, what the heck is it? Because, uh, you know, the flu is really down very low because of all the precautionaries of, mm. you know, people masking up and social distancing. So there's hardly any flu around. And I'm very isolated. So I figured out how to catch something. Mm -hmm. You did it. Yeah. Mary's very funny. Mary says, Coke Zero and Vanilla Crown Royale. Yum. I'm actually going to try that. I don't drink much. Karen doesn't drink at all. Um but I'll try that one day. That sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> and zero calorie, where I'm sure that the vanilla crown royale has quite a yeah. bit of sugar in it. <laughs> um, yeah, so you got sick. Uh, thank goodness it wasn't COVID, and which was surprising too. I mean, um, for the most part, when people get flu-like symptoms, it, it's COVID. And thank goodness it wasn't COVID with you. Well, you know, it's kind of like, maybe psychosomatic things going because you know i felt winded everything you know mm -hmm. and then i kept waiting for the no taste no smell and that never happened so anyway it might not have been psychosomatic and and yeah. you know what's really weird about covid because i've known now i think we're all like that and please do oh kevin childers is talking about somebody else so kevin childers is talking about this israeli um scientist uh who wrote this paper um, I'm not going to go over that water under the bridge. The paper was kind of, I think he listened sometimes to the show cause he sent me the report, but a lot of unsubstantiated mythology and rumor was in this report. I think he's talking about that report from that Israeli, uh, intelligent person or, 
Oh, um, this was uh, like a month ago or something? Yeah, like, like a month yeah. ago. So we talked about I it. I just didn't that. put much yeah. into it. I think uh, Kevin Childress, one of our viewers who's in here a lot, liked it a lot more. So I think he's just giving me a hard time if he wants uh, <laughs> in there. So I was curious. I brought it up just because someone was asking. But I did look at the chat because I want to tell people that um, – I didn't really come that prepared, to be honest, to the show today because I've had a lot going on. And not that I always do. A lot of times, you know, I just look through my Twitter and look at the stories that we're talking about and we review those. Um, but, you know, what's great about you all and doing this live is that you all come up with great questions uh, right. all the time. So yeah. please do put in your questions to the chat and I'll pay attention to that. So Martin and I can address those. Please try to make them related to something that is in the news currently would be great. Um, Alien con show. Someone just said you were in. Yeah. Were you so, on that? yeah we'll yeah. talk about that too. Um, Got to fix my speaker here. All right. But uh, what was I talking about before I distracted myself? <laughs> I was talking about you. Six. You yeah. not have, Oh, people having COVID. So, and I wanted to say that cause I want to hear from you guys in the chat, if this is true of you. Um, I know a lot of people that have gotten COVID now. Um, unfortunately, uh, nobody, I, I know some people have died as well, hmm. but unfortunately some, not anybody I'm like immediate family or someone I'm very close with, like my cousin's boyfriend and well, and Angela Joyner, I don't even think I mentioned this in the last show, but Angela Joyner and her husband passed. That's the, probably the people I oh, knew yes. the best, which yeah. is really sad. Yeah. And I guess we'll let, I'm going to put that aside for just a second, but I do want to cover that because I haven't given her time on the show and she deserves it. And I, I remember her name from the. Phoenix. We'll talk about it in just okay. a sec. Yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, my point th is that a lot of people getting sick and it, the diff all the way from. For instance, I know this one guy, uh, a young dude, but he lost his smell, felt bad one day, and that was it. Now, the smell to, I don't know, last time I talked to him was maybe a couple weeks ago, and it had been a month, and he still hasn't completely gotten his smell back wow. uh, or taste back. But that's the only effects that he's had. Um, so most people, some people are having uh, a day or two. Some people are, are feeling really bad for a week or two. Mm. And then, of course, some people are getting it really bad and passing. Luckily, that's a very small uh, minority of people that that's happening to. But it's just so strange um, that, you know, and I'm talking about healthy people. They could have either very small cold-like symptoms all the way up to passing away and not being able to breathe. Um, Bug says his sister was really sick for a few weeks. That's really sad. Um, well, we'll get through it. Uh, it's yeah. I sure hope so. Uh, I think Mary had a comment too. I think she said her husband got, her husband got a cold, then lost his sense of smell back in October or November. He probably had COVID. Um, you know, they, they're still analyzing, but they really think that we, uh, it went back that far. So especially with the, the sense of loss of sense of smell, that's a suspicious. He, he might have had COVID. Has he gotten um, the uh, the test to find out if he's had COVID, Mary, I'm wondering? Although that test is notoriously uh, inaccurate, I guess. Um, so that's interesting. Cartola, thank you so much for giving me a little tip there. 
Uh, thank you very much. Um, oh, no. Dolene says her cousin died from COVID. Yeah, there's Ad a Astrid few people died. talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, his uncle and a good friend died. It's so sad. And I think it's important to talk about because we, you know, we want to remember these people and we're in the middle of something um, that I think we all have a tendency to want to push it out of our mind in our life and move on with our mind with our lives. But it's something that at least we, I think we have to currently actively think about just so we can take the very easy and small precautions that we can take to protect each other. Um, because it could happen to any of us. I mean, just for instance, at, you know, the classic story, my mom's best friend, they all went to Thanksgiving. They had their normal Thanksgiving, didn't use any protection or anything. Um, that sounds funny. Uh, and sure enough, grandma died. Uh, and they all feel really guilty. They feel just terrible. Of course, you're going to feel terrible when some when passes, but they're all racked with guilt. Sure. Um, and, you know, you don't want to be that person. I no, no uh, way. I think about that a lot. I'm, I'm very busy at work, and I mm -hmm. take all the precautions that I possibly can. And I try to go into properties where nobody's been there for at least a week and work that mm -hmm. way. And if I have to meet anyone, it's like, you know, you know just taking all the precautions. You, you, mm -hmm. And I'm so isolated up here in Maine. You know, it's it's great. I know. And luckily I do practically everything online. Um, of course I've been doing mortgages. I've, I've kind of had, I'm switching companies. Um, so I, I've been processing kind of wrapping up what I was already doing and, and not doing new stuff. And I'll be starting with some new thing stuff this week. Um, and in fact, I'm even going to add a commercial to the show, uh, about mortgages. And if you want to do mortgages, it's a great job you can do remotely and I can help you, get into the business also. But um, luckily I've been able to do a lot of that at home. And so, yeah, I've just been, it's just been me and Karen and we go to the store sometimes that's it. And some of our, and we just don't go hang out with friends and stuff. I mean, I want to wait. There's a, I think there's a question here in, let's see uh, from Kevin. Uh, oh, wait, I don't want to no. Okay. First of all, uh, I already said that's the Israeli thing. He wants to no, argue no. that that thing is oh, more, oh, okay. more uh, real than it didn't. But it's I didn't not. realize it was related. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look at it yourself. It's just not that impressive. I don't want to talk about it. It's a waste of time. Um, but uh, wrapping up with Koba, I just want to say to those of you who just shared, you know, um, like at Astra, that you have lost friends and family. Um, so, so sorry for your loss. And, um, our hearts are and thoughts are with you. And uh, it is weird, you know, unidentified Luis from unidentified celebrity review just said his dad's overweight and smoked cigars all day. He got it. And it was like a bad flu, but he was fine. Um, it was dehydration. Like you get from a flu that uh, was awful. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. So it's weird, really weird, but uh, yeah. So sorry, Adastra. Thank you also for always being such a great participant of, of these live uh, recordings. And um, thank you so much uh, for joining us and, and sharing. And it's just terrible when you see people like that. Some people have lost a lot of close friends and everything. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So let's move on. What Angela Joyner. I do want to talk about Angela Joyner next. 
uh, her and her husband did pass from COVID. And I just want to talk about uh, her story, I think, is a really interesting and important story. She was the one who broke the Stephenville, Stephenville. Uh, UFO story. Right. Yep. And what year was that? Do you remember? I think 2009. It was kind of interesting because we were right in the middle of it. At that time, I was doing the PR stuff for MUFON, um, 2008. Um, lots of sightings in 2008. But uh, he and we were swamped. I was getting calls from the media left, right, left and right. Um and uh, I even had Geraldo's people kept calling me and they're like, we're going to go out. We're going to send a crew of like four or five people. Is that OK? And I'm like, whatever you want. You know, it's not up to me. They're like, well, how many people do you think we should send? Should we send a camera person and a reporter? Should we do this? Should we do that? And I'm like, I don't know uh, as much as you want to cover it. Uh, that was the funniest one. But uh, it all started from Angela Joyner, who is a writer, a journalist in Stephenville. And she wrote about this sighting. And what was interesting is that, you know, they had a local pilot, they had a police officer, a constable, uh, technically, I think, in the area, um, others who had seen this thing. It hit the news. I think it made so much news because uh, there was an interview with one of the locals who was like your typical UFO person. You know, the, how they look for the person who's very rural, has a drawl, and has a gun, and is wearing his his uh, overalls, which he was, I think. And, um, you know, I, he's like, I saw it and I took out my gun and I was shooting at it and that kind of thing. And so I think that helped it go viral. Um, so, uh, you know, that's how it all got started. And um, you know, just for the new, for the new listener um, that are, Maybe you should talk a little bit about the Stephenville incident. I mean, yeah, that's why W. Bush, every, you know, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm, I, yeah, I'll be getting to the rest of how the story plays out. But uh, yeah, they, uh, but first it was this media thing, you know, it was this huge media thing. Everybody talking about these people seeing these lights in the sky at night and this UFO and all of this stuff. Um, you know, officials were saying they didn't really see anything. There wasn't much to it. I wasn't even sure that there was much to this sighting. There was actually, at the same time, a sighting I thought was much better in San Diego, actually. Mm. Wow. Uh, but that really didn't get very much attention at all because everybody's paying attention to Stephenville. Well, were Angela Joyner. No? no, not at all. They're pretty. Stephenville is in Texas. But uh, essentially what happened is that uh, as time went on, you know, we didn't find out much about it. And then luckily, some people with MUFON that run that are now part of SCU in particular, you know, him, Robert Powell uh, decided to FOIA some uh, information and he was able to get some information about uh, the, the the radar uh information that was obtained by a couple local radar stations and it was just at the end of time he like he tells the story right after he got that information they stopped releasing uh certain radar data to the civilian public so he was lucky to get that data he also then because i was using him to talk to the media because he was doing an ongoing investigation on the stephenville sighting 
And uh, so he was on a news station, and, and I think that's how, but at, so he got connected with this radar expert um, who had done some radar analysis on some bigger cases where jets had been had crashed. And so he partnered with Robert. They analyzed the radar data, and like you're saying, they found radar data that um, matched up with the witness testimony and the radar dash data also showed that this thing was headed towards whatever it was. The one of the ranches at the president's day at, at the time it was George Bush. Um, and so this is, you know, secured airspace that it was headed towards. Right. Uh, so it was really a big deal. Of course, nobody, there was no official response or anything to this report. Nobody really cared about it in the mainstream besides the media, uh, which uh, even I think uh, Larry King had Robert Powell and, and the uh, radar expert. And I forget his name right now, hmm. but it is a very excellent report. I would look for the Robert Powell report on Stephenville if you want to find out about the veracity of that case. And it turned out to be uh, much more interesting than I thought it was. I thought it was just some people seeing lights in the sky. Um, but this radar data added a whole different component to it. Well, yeah, anyways, mm -hmm. I was just saying, weren't they also the Air Force involved in that as well? Uh, there were jets in the area. Hmm. They found on the radar data and they can't say for sure if it was related to the sighting. They said it wasn't, but it did look like a couple jets came out kind of took a look at what was in the area and went back. Um, he has no information. They said it wasn't that, but that's what it looks like. You see them fly into the area and then go back to base. Could have been a training exercise or something like that, or just a regular patrol or something. Who knows? But um, it did look like that. Um, yeah, so it, it was a good case, but it kept rolling, you know, as some new information came out. James Fox did interviews with people there, uh, NBC, a lot of people were doing interviews. And so for nearly a year, Angela Joyner was writing UFO stories, updates on what was going on with the Stephenville and other UFO stories. And eventually it came to a time where they were like, Angela, I know we're getting a lot of attention because of these UFO stories. It's great, but that's not what we are. We're a local paper. We can't pay you to be a UFO uh, writer, we need you to cover local news again. And she's like, well, uh, no, I want to keep doing the UFO stuff. And so she left. Wow. That's the way that worked. A lot of people say she was fired because she was covering UFOs. That's not it. They told her, you know, we've got to get back to our local news. You got to go back to the high school and report on the high school basketball game. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you could see how that would be boring after getting this international attention uh, for so long around UFOs. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what happened with her. Uh, during this time, we had a MUFON symposium where we, uh, I used to do press conferences with the symposium and we had a packed room. And of course she was one of the people who was there as a speaker uh, and as press. And uh, we had hit it off because we talked so much and coordinated at this time because we were trying to coordinate with people in Stephenville so we don't step on each other's toes and everything. And... um yeah, so that's what happened. Did did she go on to do anything else after that, or not really? She had a podcast for a while, I think. Mm. Uh, she tried to kind of start up some UFO things, and she never really did uh, nothing consistent. Or her podcast lasted for a while. I think it was on KGRA, where many some people might be listening right now. Um, 
but yeah, so it's really sad that she passed away from COVID, her and her husband. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Um, people are so funny. They're, they're like, is there a reason that somebody, they're avoiding our question? I don't see every question and answer every question. It's not right in front of my face. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, some about TTSA. People want to talk about that. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't see the question yet. I'm looking for it. So ask again, um, <laughs> please, because uh, that'll make it easier for me. But, yeah, I'm not afraid to talk about anything. And um, CAPS is good. Uh, Dirk is putting his questions in in uh, CAPS or his, his statement in CAPS. Okay. That's yeah. a great idea, too. If you want to do put your questions in CAPS and I can see them a little easier if they're questions so people want to leave know about people leaving ttsa i think we talked about that on the last one but sure let's talk about that um i'll ask a question if i may go for it um so what is becoming of ttsa at this point do we know that yeah um no we don't know that and it's very interesting in fact i've i've had a little bit of correspondence with Tom DeLong, a very little bit uh, in the last few weeks, and he didn't mention it at all. Um, at the time, I the last time we had talked, I was aware of rumors that uh, and a buzz going around that uh, at least Lou and probably Chris had left to the stars, um, and. Uh, so thank you to celebrity uh, unidentified celebrity review, by the way. So I, I was aware that they would, that that was happening. I'm not exactly sure of the timing, but of course we weren't hearing anything from to the stars. Mm. The way I translate this is that, you know, Chris and Lou were moving on and, um, but to the stars did not know how to uh, uh, announce that. Um, and for whatever reason, it seems like they were, they just took too long. And so then Elizondo, and I knew what it was. Elizondo was going on coast to coast. Coast to coast was saying, we've got some news from Lou. I was guessing because I knew what was going on in the background. Lou's going to announce that he's leaving to the stars. And he did. What was really surprising to me, though, is that Tom DeLong wasn't on the show with him. Um, because, you know, really, that should be kind of first an official announcement from to the stars. Um, but we still have had no announcement from to the stars on this. Just Lou, who's reiterated this now a couple times that, him and Chris, and he even said in one comment uh, on Coast to Coast, he said, Lou, he said, uh, To the Stars is really focused on entertainment, and Chris and, and Steve and I are not entertainment. Um, and he so, didn't say it in a mean way because he says he loves To the Stars. He doesn't mean anything bad. He hopes To the Stars does great. But uh, so they left. Um, yeah, to do their own thing. I think it's interesting that to the stars hasn't said anything yet. It's unfortunate really, because I think that uh, there's no doubt um, uh, stakeholders are concerned and they want to know. I've certainly heard from quite a few um, and that, and so I don't know, I don't know where they're headed. Um, of course I've, 
at times expressed my concern that to the stars is often not clarifying their mission, their goals and what they're doing to reach those goals. Um, and so, and, you know, uh, Lou and, and Chris said, or Lou said that, you know, we had essentially accomplished what we wanted to accomplish with to the stars, uh, which is kind of troublesome in a way too. Uh, and I'd like to hear your opinions on this. I can see how people would complain a bit because there's a lot of questions coming here that are saying, um, oh, they've sent a press release. I was not even aware of this press release. Um, let, let me let me ask. Uh, go ahead. This question, your your thoughts. And I do see there's a lot of questions in the chat room. But uh, what is this? How does this play in unidentified? Did they have another season lined up? Do you know? I don't know. You know, I was hearing conflicting information about another season. I think that the, that season would be toast. I, yeah, I doubt I there will so. be another season at this point. Mm. Um, and, you know, it all comes back to my article, guys. Uh, and that's why I wrote it. I really and I. I know I keep plugging this article, but I think it's really important to understanding all of this. And let me share it here. Uh, up here in the UFO news, this one, how the U.S. how U.S. intelligence community insiders got the Senate's attention regarding UFOs. I mean, there was a grand plan here uh, set up mostly. I think the the main architect, I would say, would be Chris Mellon uh, working with Lou on this while Lou was still in working at the Pentagon, working on a tip before he left. You know, and this plan was to get the government uh, to take UFO seriously and to set up, you know, to establish a tip, give it more resource so they investigate UFOs. That was their goal. Um, you know, they didn't do it inside, so they decided Lou was going to retire and they'll do it with the public. But they needed a big media splash that they needed to get the attention of the major media and the world to see that. There are these credible cases that the Navy has experienced and or investigated. More quickly than they expected, the Navy came out and said, um, you know, we you're right. We are investigating UFOs. These guys had a real UFO experience. We take it seriously and we're looking into this. And that was the moment. That was one of the major milestones of this effort, because that then with that admissions uh, legally opens up. Um, and it could have opened up a lot of, you know, even lawsuits if we still had people like Peter Gersten around, who was kind of a lawyer who used to sue for FOIA information, where they can now sue and say, hey, you are telling us you're not investigating UFOs. It's a lie. You obviously have been. We want more information, blah, blah, blah. It opens up the floodgates for the public to now say, hey, you're now you're you've lied to us for decades and you have been taking this seriously. We want information. Um, and that's essentially what the Senate has done. And, you know, and, and the Senate couldn't do that without that step happening. So it's this grand plan that has been in motion since the uh, the summer of 2017. And I think it's under important to understand that because. Uh, you know, there two to the stars talked about, and this is why I bring it up. Somebody talked about, well, what about the project Starfire? What about these projects to the star was working on? You're right. In a way, it's a little problematic because at, those weren't primary goals 
for To The Stars, or at least for this group of people in To The Stars. And I think that was some of the problem and some of what I was highlighting is that all of their goals were, they had a lot of desperate goals disparate goals. So they ought to, everybody had their own idea of what they wanted to the stars to be and, and what they should do, but there wasn't a unified kind of vision. Um, and, and that was the problem. And that's why we have this breakup. Now, this plan that I outlined right here in this article was achieved. You can see that how to the stars played a role. And once the to the stars served its purpose for this plan, you know, there wasn't much there. They could have coalesced this group and perhaps, you know, created a group to to move the issue further, or do the sort of research and investigation. But the other hard part of that is it takes money. And so they're trying to establish, you know, the entertainment side, the uh, defense contracting technology side to try to bring in money making projects that can fund everything that they want to do. But that just wasn't happening quick enough. The most prolific and the most successful portion of the company was entertainment. Tom was out there kicking butt, you know, if I think, you know, the hard part is Tom is kind of considered the overall guy for to the stars for a long period of time when really he was in charge of the entertainment division and he was kicking butt with that entertainment division. He got unidentified. He's got other television shows and movies in the works. So he's doing a great job with that division. The hard part is the rest of everything else is just kind of um, dissolved now, now that they've left that part's gone. So uh, the hard part is, and this is where it puts Tom in kind of a difficult position too, I think, is that he already had a media company. To the Stars Media was already a company that existed where he was already doing this sort of stuff. He was already doing his media and everything over there. He probably, maybe it would have been best if he would have just stuck to that because now he's got this weird public corporation thing where he's got a lot of his entertainment assets kind of stuck in. And I don't know what he's going to do to continue that side of things. Uh, if he could somehow, you know, buy, maybe purchase those assets for him to the stars media uh, and then dissolve the corporation. I don't know. But then what happens with the shares? What happens to the shareholders and their money? I don't know. A lot of really difficult questions. And, you know, I think this is why we're hearing, uh, not hearing so much from two of the stars because they're probably trying to figure all this out as well. So it is kind of crazy. It leaves it in a tough situation. So people are asking, what about two of the stars? What about Chris and Lou creating their own group? Well, I don't think that's going to happen. If it did happen, it would be something um, kind of like SCU or, uh, and here's what I mean. There's there's two ways to do work in this field. You can work for a, a viable organization that has resources and funding and actually get something done. What kind of organizations are those? Those are like NASA or the intelligence community or um, like how Putoff has a viable company, how Putoff's company, uh, stuff like that, you know, where you have an actual corporation doing business, bringing in funds or a nonprofit that has funds donated to it, but also generating income and uh, those sort of things. The other way to do things is how we usually do things in UFOs. We have groups of people, civilians who get together like MUFON or like the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies or any number of groups. And they work on it when they have time, you know, when they're not at work, they donate maybe a few hundred dollars here and there, or you pay your uh, 
journal subscription for $50 a year or something like that. So you're talking about just too low of a level of resources to get much done. Um, you know, you, you have too little time, too little money to really do a whole lot. MUFON, over the decades of, you know, what has it really been able to do analytical-wise or to produce papers that are compelling to the mainstream? Um, I think what MUFON's done with what little they have is great. Um, same with SEU. SEU's created actually some pretty cool papers. Um, yep. But still, you know, every, it's a struggle with people trying to make the time to do these things. So what are Chris or Lou going to do? Chris Mellon doesn't, isn't any need for money, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's from the Mellon, Mellon family. family. Yeah. But so he can advocate and kind of work as a lobbyist in the background without needing funds. I think that's what he's doing. He has resources in the manner of he's got amazing connections. And certainly we've heard some, even from hearing from him or hearing from Lou, that that's what Lou and he are working on, the advocacy in the background to make sure that these reports that the Senate is asking of the Intelligence Committee on UAPs are as thorough as possible, that the UAP task force is taking, taken as seriously as possible. Um, Do you think they really have influence there? Who? Chris and Lou. Like for the intelligence agencies? I would say yes. And I would say they have a substantial amount of, of influence for an individuals. Um, these are huge organizations. So, for instance, in the UFO community, I've got some pull. I've got um, some pull with the SCU. You know, I've got some pull with even like Chris and Lou a little bit because uh, we've worked together. But like MUFON you know, I used to work with MUFON, but I don't anymore. Of course, I've been critical of like uh, the previous person who ran it and how they've dealt with some of their, um, um, you know, public relations issues. Uh, and so they're not as uh, happy to work with me. But my point is, in the UFO community, I think people would agree, I've, I've got some pull. But that doesn't mean I have universal pull over every area. You know, Richard Dolan's going to do his thing. Nick Pope's going to do his thing. MUFON's going to do their thing. And I can advise those guys maybe, but they're not necessarily, I'm not necessarily going to have some pull to say, Hey, here's what we should do. So I, that's what I mean. They have significant pull for individuals and they've got, you know, dozens of people who probably will listen to them, who they can even influence or, or, you know, um, educate, on the matter to make more educated opinion or decisions. But when it comes to higher levels, when they're pushing to get more funding or personnel for the UAP task force, that's going to be, you know, you need more than just a couple people to be able to lobby and push those things. You need some really high power people in there. And uh, who knows on the political side, um, you know, uh, people like Mark Warner and, and Ted Cruz were certainly interested in this topic, but there's a lot going on um, since this uh, topic's been on the table. Uh, of course, we've changed uh, uh, administrations and a group of people tried to kill Mark Warner uh, and uh, some of their colleagues, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. So they got some other concerns on their hands, but um Yes, I, I think they have some though. influence, and it is more than the average person. It's substantial, but, you know, how much can it move the needle? It can move the needle. Um, they want to move it a lot, I think. 
Uh, we'll see. Go now, ahead. Uh, Kamala Harris had a, a role in that. Now, would that be filled by her predecessor? That's a good question. I, I don't mean, think so. I think that those assignments that are going on right now, where the leaders of the 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 House and the Senate are choosing who's going into what committee, I think mm -hmm. that's where it happens. So because she was a Democrat, she'll be placed replaced with a Democrat. But um, I think that's where it's going on right now. I think they weigh the seniority of the different people. I think they weigh their interests and in what committees they want to be in, and they decide whether you know the right fit regarding and you know there's politics and everything involved so right. so yeah that's to the stars um is warner now majority chair of the ssci you know what that's a really good question too if somebody knows let us know that would make sense but i haven't heard that specifically hmm. i'd see there's a lot of questions going on here yeah there's a lot of good questions in here today yeah so uh if you have more ttsa questions do get them in there again i don't see uh much in the way um of any more on ttsa I, hopefully that was uh sufficient for you all but please do um ask me more questions if, about that if you have it uh bigelow said that the uaptf report is made with no budget the uap task force report i think that's right um, you know, and that's another point, because, of course, if they're not given money or resources to do this, are they going to take it more seriously? Probably not. You know, are they going to hire uh, someone to get in there and to work on it? Probably not. And that's what's really important. And I think that Chris Mellon's been talking about the same thing. They're not being given enough resources and um, which demonstrates that they're not taking the issue seriously enough, which in turn will mean these reports will not be very thorough because they're just going to have to assign someone who's normally assigned to different duties to work on this when they can. And so you're not going to get a robust report if they can't hire someone specifically or dedicate someone. Look, this is your job for the next couple months, research and write this report. So that'll cause problems. Um, it's a really good point. Someone else brought this Bigelow interview up. So Robert Bigelow, of course, who uh, is the owner of Bigelow Aerospace. Uh, he's a real estate mogul in uh, Las Vegas. Hotelier. Also, hmm. What's that? Hotelier. Yeah, Hotelier. He um, uh, started up, you know, this, this aerospace project, and then he... Uh, Little did we know back in 2007 was given these was brought on. I think actually 2008, he was brought on to work with the Pentagon on this OSAP project, this advanced uh, aerospace weapon system acquisition program, um, which was to investigate Skinwalker Ranch, which Bigelow owned because uh, Bigelow was doing paranormal studies. So he was the guy who, you know, funded all this stuff and he's been doing paranormal research for a long time. So, um, he is now, uh, you know, he did an interview recently with George Knapp. A lot of people have questions for Bigelow and he doesn't do interviews. Right. The only interviews he's done lately has been, have been with George Knapp. And I know there are a lot of people asking Bigelow questions. So George Knapp had him on, uh, did an interview with him. And I know George tried to ask the questions that people are asking out there. Um, one person said, uh, what about Bob Lazar? Um, that was weird. Did you watch the Bigelow interviews at all? No, I, I heard... I've been meaning to actually someone sent me a file, so mm -hmm. I'm going to check it out, but I haven't yet. Uh, and you obviously did. 
Yeah, about he didn't talk about UFOs a whole lot. He mostly wanted to push his new project, which was the Bigelow. I forget the name of it. It's called BIX is the acronym. But uh, essentially, it's a program to study um, life after death. That's right. So it's yeah. a new project. And that's most of what this was all about. It's his, him pushing his new thing to do that. Uh, but he did, uh, George did say, uh, I want to clear the air on Lazar. And he asked him some questions about Lazar. But Bigelow wasn't exactly clear. He essentially said something about aerogel. And he said, yeah, you know, the aerogel thing, um, you know, Bob had given us this piece of aerogel and we uh, are given us this piece. And then I found out it was just aerogel uh, and it wasn't that mysterious. And that's all he said. Hmm. And there was some mention of element 115. Um, and then he said uh, later on that, yeah, he had tested Lazar. So he set up a lab for Lazar to work in to really? create a device. But. Yeah. He was hearing from, uh, he asked for an update and his assistant said, oh yeah, Lazar's not working on the device. He's using that lab for storage to store furniture. And him and the nap laughed. Ha ha ha. That's Lazar. That sounds like Lazar. What? That was this the end of the story? Really frustrating and confusing because I agree that that sounds like Lazar. But they're saying, oh, he's such a scatterbrain. He always does weird stuff like this. You know, he doesn't follow through. That's not a good trait. But I do feel like that fits a pattern, but it fits a pattern of him being dishonest, him making promises and not coming through with promises. Um, you know, and if you look into his past when he was setting up these brothels and everything, he's got this kind of victim thing I have, I, I've been you know, when you read about it, where once he gets busted, he blames everybody else. Oh, it wasn't me. It was everybody else. Yeah. Um, I find this really problem. I, when you have someone who's not being honest, you know, and someone else said he was paid by Bigelow to work in this lab. I don't know if that's true or not. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully not. But I wouldn't take that so lightly. You know, you, you set something up for this dude. I'm sure he spent some money and then he uses it to store furniture that's really dishonest. That well, is like done, not good. He could have made a bordello out of it. You know what I mean? At yeah, you're right. That, you know? So I don't know. And then on the aerogel thing, I was like, I was confused. So I tweeted, are you saying that Bob Lazar told, um, you know, Bigelow that this piece of material was element 115, but it turned out to be aerogel? And George responded, he said, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I was like, okay, well, I can't tell what you're saying. So I guess someone else described it. And supposedly uh, the, uh, the element 115 was encased when it was packaged. None of the story makes any sense. I'm sorry, oh. guys. I don't know what you guys are talking with this Lazar stuff. That this, this element 15 was packaged in aerogel. And uh, it's not stable, though. I mean, it doesn't. And they didn't know what the packaging was. And they thought it was mysterious. Then they found out it was just aerogel. So I guess Lazar didn't know what this aerogel was. And so they were all like, what is this stuff? So Lazar didn't lie about it, but they didn't know what it was. And it turned out to be aerogel, allegedly. But, you know, a lot of people have been writing recently, to, to your point about the Element 115 not being stable, 
that, you know, this whole idea about these different uh, potential isotopes of element 115, people are arguing that's not how the science works. The, the isotopic ratios he's talking about make the element 115 a completely different element. And in the past, Bob Lazar has even said, well, it might be element 114 or something like that, somewhere around there. Um, you know, so it comes back to the science not working. And I don't know, you could talk to any other scientist about all of that, and it just doesn't work. Uh, so let's see. Bob claimed Bob claimed to be the genesis of the aerogel. I don't know. I'm so confused about that. But George did say in response, because I said, sorry, uh, I deleted the thing where I kind of said, is he... Am I right? Did he lie? Because I didn't want me to be a source of a rumor out there that somebody lied when they didn't. Um, but I said, I'm sorry, it's just really confusing. And um, so uh, he said he was going to clarify that. So we'll see what goes on with that. Um, can we talk about Valet Noling having paper at Freaking Peer Review? Once it's out of the peer review, I guess, I think that, you know, um, I mean, it's got to be peer reviewed. Nolan and Valet are excellent scientists, but, you know, when you do science on something that is, uh, well, when you do any science, you have to have it checked by other scientists. Is this metamaterial? I believe it is metamaterial. So mm -hmm. I think you especially have to have it examined by people who are in the fields that should be examining the material. Nolan is an expert when it comes to DNA and those type right. of things. He's not, he's yeah. not an expert in on materials. Metallurgy. How do you say that? Metallurgy. And yeah. he'll admit that because, mm -hmm. you know, and an example, and uh, those of you who have read Diana Pasolka's book, um, I think it's now secret that Gary Nolan was, you know, one of the guys, secret guys in her book, but they talk about how, um, he talks about this case with the alien child, one of those, uh, you know, carcasses from, uh, the, the, the plains of Chile or Argentina, Peru. I can't remember where it is there, but, um, that when he analyzed that, uh, when he first took a look and everything, there were mysteries in there, like bone density and stuff like that. Are you talking about the Atacoma? Yeah, the Atacoma thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, they demonstrated, and now really he made kind of his own problem here in that they revealed there were some mysterious aspects to what they were seeing there. They probably shouldn't have done that because people, of course, in the UFO people, the conspiracy people, Stephen Greer ran with that. But, you know, when the experts looked at it immediately, when they looked at it, the uh, people who are bone experts and child bone experts and this sort of thing said no. Um, and archaeologists said, no, there's nothing mysterious about that. When, that's what you're going to see um, when a body's been buried for a period of time. And this is something normal that we see in these uh, mummified bodies out in this area. So it turned out there was not, that, that wasn't so mysterious. Um, and then when he finished his DNA analysis, the thing came out to be human. Um, others tried to misrepresent his work, but he was very clear in many publications, this thing was human. Yeah. Um, so here again, the point being that when he, this is the danger of speaking to something you're not an expert in, 
when they looked at the the body initially, they said that looks strange. Well, it wasn't strange. Um, and it was a little problematic that they said it looks strange because that started off all these people on their conspiracy theories. Um, so, you know, you just, you need to hold your, we need to wait until the experts look at this stuff. And I'm, I'm curious, I want to see, but you know, there's a lot of work and you need a lot of different, um, experts too, because you need, um, geologists, uh, who understand how the metal or the object interacted with the ground or whatever it was in for a period of time. You need people like physicists who understand the effects on, uh, you know, the reentry into the atmosphere and uh, what sort of effects that will have on the metal. You need lots of different experts to look at this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jonathan has Dirk, a good question. I agree with Dirk. He says this in capital letters. I hate everyone pretending ancient mummies are anything paranormal. It's very frustrating. Yeah. It's a marketing gimmick. It started back in the Barnum and Bailey era, and it's still a sideshow gimmick to make money. It, it's disingenuous, and it, it is frustrating. I agree. And it is racist, Dirk, and that's the problem that people in Argentina and scientists have been saying is that, hey, you guys are taking our carcasses of our ancestors and claiming they're aliens and trying to make money off of them. That's not cool. Was that, have a, how do you say that, Gaia? That, oh yeah. They yeah. uncovered all those out of, out of a tomb. They were all powdery white and they were trying to say they were aliens. That was a nightmare because again, that was like tomb robbing and, you know, just kind of unacceptable yeah. that they did that. And they were trying to make a case that they were aliens. So, oh, but Bigelow did make this comment, uh, the most important comment uh, on this that everybody's picking up on. He said, there's enough evidence there. He's like, I'm not sure about Bob Lazar, but if I were, uh, this is Vegas, and if I were to bet on Bob Lazar, I would bet on Bob Lazar. I think it's a bad bet to bet against him. Um, well, I would not, I would not bet on him. I, bet I would <laughs> very wholeheartedly vote against Bob Lazar with no worry at all personally no worry at all um i think even right now if you had an unbiased jury take a holistic look at the case nobody's gonna buy it i mean unfortunately the ufo community really they keep saying his story has been the same all along it hasn't been the same all along no. and even worse half of the story if not more is totally swept under the rug by the believers and the proponents of this and the problematic issues of which there's a huge list are not brought up by Bigelow or Knapp in this interview. So I, I just don't put much into that. Um, yeah, and you know what? Convenient. I love, I'm a huge fan of Bigelow and Knapp, but there are certainly things I disagree with both of them on. I don't, hold them as you know necessarily the highest authority on everything and it's not their fault because um on issues like what is the government government up to they're not privy to that information and so how can they know we're all just guessing and trying to figure it out so i don't fault them for their beliefs or anything and, and certainly bigelow knows more and george knows more than i do about certain things um I, but uh, comment from uh, luis the un, uh, unidentified. He says, according to Jeremy Corbell, that interview with uh, Bigelow solidified Bob Lazar's story. See, and that's a sort of statement that I'm sorry, discredits Jeremy's work. 
mm. uh, opinion because um, no, Bigelow's not an authority on anything. He's not offering any proof or evidence. Right. Bigelow says aliens are here. I don't, you, you can't just say that without any, and this is a problem with this field. And this is the problem with what Jeremy's saying. And, you know, Jeremy and I debate, uh, we've debated before and we will debate again. Yeah, and I, certainly I, I do not that. mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, the problem is this, this blind faith in people's opinions and not proof or science. I mean, that's where we've gotten our problem. Global warming. It's science, guys. You know, it's science. Um, but where does the doubt come from? Rhetoric. Rhetoric and beliefs from people who don't, aren't experts and aren't substantiating their fear. rhetoric. Fear plays a big factor. Fear. And it's the same thing with this field. We can't build our truths on what people believe. We've got to build our truths on facts and data. I don't care that Bigelow believes in Lazar. I'm sorry, Bigelow. I think you're going to have a major disappointment, uh, you know, in the future or not. We may never know uh, for certain, but I just think that the, the evidence is very much stacked against it. Um, but still, you know, it, it doesn't make it for sure. I believe personally that, uh, let's see, what's one of my wild beliefs? Um, I believe that uh, Futurama was one of the best comedies ever in the world. That doesn't make it so. And of course, you know, it's not that popular. Some of you might be going, what's Futurama? Um, you know, Futurama is this hilarious show. It's one of my favorite shows ever in the world. Lower Decks. I love Star Wars Lower Decks. I could say I think Star Wars Lower Decks. That's is animated too, right? The funniest yeah. and one of the most entertaining things Star Trek has ever done. A lot of people will disagree with me on that. But I can't just state it and it that's the truth. You know, it's it's opinion. So I mean, um, if I had some facts to show, look, it had more viewers than Star Trek Next Generation and blah, 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 blah. Which isn't true. I think Generation has that. Well, didn't you? You sent me a, a folder with a bunch of papers that kind of disqualified a lot of things that Bob Lazar did. Yeah. This is yeah. That's what I'm talking about. There's an entire history there when it comes back to his lawsuits, his legal problems, the way he represented himself, the things that he said that were uh, disproven. Um, the uh, there's so much it's a rich history um and uh it's just completely ignored by the majority of this field and you know to some of uh the defense of some of you all out there you're probably not even aware of it i've shared the links here i've talked about it um if you want those links email me uh at open minds you know uh go to the website email me and i'll share you those links and that information but here's a case in point right here if i may and the, uh, the fact that he had so much legal problems in the past. Yeah. Criminal uh, activity. Uh, Renee up there says, Bob said, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm just repeating. Bob said um, nine UFOs in Hangar 18, one uh, shot with a hole through it with a missile on the History Channel. And that uh, I know he said something like that, not not exactly like that. But then later on, he was asked 
a similar question. He said, no, none of them had damage. So that is one of the mistakes he made. That's a great point. You know, yeah. if you read Dean Johnson, Gene Johnson, um, I think he's too harsh on Nap, to be honest. Uh, but uh, he's been posting a lot of stuff about Lazar. And if you want to go look at his Twitter, you can find a lot, too, because uh, even with this Bigelow stuff, he's he's been tweeting about with links to references how Lazar has changed his story on different aspects of this over the years. And uh, it would be nice if someone put something together along those lines, because you would see that his claims certainly have not been consistent. Um, and, it, you know, claims like that the aliens killed a bunch of people in the underground bases. Everybody uh, forgot that he said that. UFO repellent, why don't you just go away? We don't need any politics on this. Oh, is there some dude? Oh, I'm going to kick him. I like to kick people. Where is he? UFO repellent. Adios. <laughs> Kicking that sucker. It's fun to use a kick tool. <laughs> um, in fact, I'm not even I'm not even shy about it. I think uh, uh, our other guy who couldn't stop about the Israeli guy, I kicked him for a second too. Kevin. I like Kevin. He's out here all the time, but he can be obnoxious. Damn it. Jonathan had a question and I'm looking for it. Here it is. Alejandro with his journalist hat on. Why taking so long uh, given for triangle photo to leak, given how widely it was reported, distributed to both domestic Intel and international partners. Yeah. Like Actually, it is a great question, but at the same time, um, it is a good thing that that hasn't been leaked because those servers that that information is on is classified information. That is information that is not supposed to be shared with the public. In fact, you know, that's the exact type of information that Edward Snowden shared um, mm. and, and got in trouble for, um, you know, these, this was information from like these, these servers that are classified, but a lot of people have access to him throughout the state department in his case. Um, and he shared that, you know, lowest level of classification stuff. That's the type of thing this is. That's why it's so widely distributed. So it is really good that, um, that, that, that hasn't come out to be honest, that it hasn't leaked. Cause it shows that, you know, those people with that access who would lose the access if they did share it and possibly lose their job, lose their potential to work on classified programs at all in the future. Um, you know, that, uh, that they take that seriously and that they're not sharing that information. So, um, how did the story get out then? It's strange recon podcast asked great question. It got out by rumor. It did. And it got out because even though you can't share it publicly, I haven't seen the report. I'm going to say that right off the top. But in the past, I have been shown things by people in intelligence where they will, you know, show me an email, say, Hey, take a look at this. You can't keep it, but I'll let you read it. And, um, and that's the type of thing that does happen. And so what is it my job to do? And this happens with journalists a lot. They'll show it to me. Um, so I have one anonymous source here. And I've got to ask, can I use you as an anonymous source? What can I say about you? Or that guy say, no, I don't want you talking about me at that or that I exist at all. 
I'm showing you this report so you know it exists. Now you've got to go verify it. And as a journalist, that would be our job. Then I've got to seek out people who were part of that department, who were aware of what happened and say, will you go on the record? Will you at least be one of my anonymous sources? That's why we see these anonymous sources. This is how journalism works in the intelligence world. That's why we see this sort of thing, you know, in the White House, all these anonymous sources and people like John Greenwald, uh, you know, he's a good friend, but sorry, John, you're wrong when it comes to anonymous sources. They are credible, um, off, you know, but what the news will do is they'll want to get two or three. And every news outlet has different level of how many sources they want to get before they'll print something. Right. And it also can be a case by case basis. You know, if you have three people in a meeting, which has been happening a lot at the White House, for instance, in the last few years um three people in a meeting come forward and say hey this is what happened in this meeting you know those people you know they're credible you know they understand they'll suffer consequences if they're wrong um at least with you and your news organization so you can say you know we've got it with strong confidence that three three anonymous sources really experienced this thing and you print the story so what do we do now? We've got to, as journalists or researchers, try to verify that. So we have to go do FOIAs. We have to talk to our people in the know. Um, in my personal uh, instance, I have talked to a couple people who uh, worked or uh, in intelligence who verified to me personally, those reports exist. These are people who didn't want to go on the record or didn't want me to mention their names or anything. So I can't really, you know, do anything except for, I, I've also talked to people like Tim and talked to how he vetted it because that's my, you know, how did you vet this? How do you know this is real? He has a lot of sources that vetted that. Um, and we've also heard from a couple of people like Bob McGuire, who has friends in intelligence, who says he also uh, vetted it too. And all the information's the same. So we know those UAP task force reports exist. In fact, I think someone verified with the DOD that those reports exist, but we won't get that information. Um, the one picture we got, the one that people say looks like a Batman balloon. And let me give some background, too. So the UAP task force, they are essentially, uh, and we hear this more, and I, I feel safe saying it, that this is a group that uh, Lou Elizondo's ATIP turned into the UAP task force. And so they're in charge of investigating UFOs or, or UAP, I should say, um, and gathering information on that. Uh, it was something that Chris Mellon suggested and people should understand Chris Mellon did this when he was in the government after nine 11, it was his job. He was one of the key players in coalescing the data saying, look, we had all these silos. Everybody had intelligence about 9-11 and the terrorists who were going to do this. And we failed because we didn't share that information amongst each other in the intelligence community. And because of that, people died. So they restructured everything so they can have more central. We have Homeland Security. We have uh, the DNI is, you know, collects information more centrally from all the intelligence organizations. So this is trying to do the same thing with UAP. Uh, if you even read the request from the Senate, they're like, you know, everybody's doing their own thing. It's all scattered all over the place. We need this all coalesced into one place. Um, but it's not just aliens they're looking for. In fact, their primary concern is things like drones or things like uh, advanced right. technologies by mm -hmm. foreign governments, by foreign adversaries. And we're missing intelligence on these technologies because we're not sharing it amongst each other. 
And so that's what they're they're looking to do with this group. Well, the UAP task force has written a couple of reports on UAPs and sent that out to the intelligence community. The first one had a photo in it that wasn't that impressive. The second report that came out, which was, I guess was more along an update of the report, included this incredible photo that was allegedly taken from an F-18 by the pilot with his cell phone. So he's flying. He's like, look at that. And he took a picture. Supposedly, this was a triangular UFO that came out of the water and flew up. And he was within like 100 feet of this object when he took the picture from his aircraft. Um, So that picture we have not seen yet. Uh, The debrief has uh, an artist rendition of that photo. um, And it was dictated to them by people who did see the photo. And that looks pretty extraordinary. Uh, A triangular craft with lights at each corner similar to what many people have been um, reporting for decades. So that's the photo in question. We haven't seen that yet. Will it leak? I hope uh, it would be nice if it did. Yeah, I hope so too. I don't think someone would get in trouble. Now the Batman photo did the first unimpressive photo did leak. That was a leak. That was a photo someone took of the report. So someone had a paper Uh. copy of the report. And took a photo and actually leaked that online Hmm. uh, before the debrief wrote their story. So when the debrief wrote their story, um, someone said, hey, that picture is already online. I've seen it, you know. And and so then Tim said, oh, I didn't realize that. Since that photo is already online, I did get a photo from one of my anonymous sources. And it is the same thing. So I'm posting it. So since it's already online, I'm posting this photo uh, I received that is of this alleged thing. And it does look like maybe it's a Batman balloon. Who knows? But we also don't know the manner in which that photo was used. So we have seen military UAP slideshows before PowerPoints. And in those, there have been sections where they are showing um objects that are often mistaken for ufos um in fact i've seen that more than once so it could be that that was a section here's an example of one of our f-18 pilots who took a picture of an object it turned out to be a mylar balloon but it could be something like that so we don't know what context that was in of course if the uap task force believed that to be a genuine ufo that would be a big problem (laughs) because they think a balloon's a ufo but who knows um, we'll have to find out more about that, but that's kind of the, the history of what they're talking about there. So great question. W- who knows if the triangle comes out or not? The best way for the triangle to come out would be through FOIA or the DOD saying, here are those reports. I mean, that would be the best way. Then we know it's official and they're actually sharing information with us. And, um, you know, uh, Along these lines of Chris Mellon, what Chris Mellon and Lou are up to and how they're trying to advocate for these UAP task force um, uh, reports to be substantial, unidentified uh, celebrity review, Luis, uh, is heading up a project. And I forget what he's calling it. And I can't believe I'm forgetting. So maybe he could share that with us. But essentially, he's choosing a day in March. We're going to call like a UAP day or something like that. And that day, we're going to try to share some resources. And that day, everybody call their 
politicians, call the DOD, send emails. Uh, we'll all do this on the same day to blitz them, to let them know, hey, we want more information. We want more transparency when it comes to UAP. Um, they keep telling us UAP task force. Oh, the big phone home. That's what he's calling it. He says he's working on some graphics and stuff right now. The big phone home. What a great name, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. At sta Strafe already knew it too. He said it's the big phone home. It's so great. yeah, that's gonna be cool. Norway or yeah, yeah. So we will blitz them, and because really that's the best. We need to let them know that the public wants information on this, and that's that's what's gonna help make some movement. Um, so I think that's a excellent idea. Uh, I definitely want to help out uh, as much as I can with that. So yeah. Excellent. So there's that. We've kind of ran out of time. Any other questions you have or anything you thought uh, or have come across? Are you talking about me? Yeah. No, no I think uh, I want to thank everyone in the, in the chat, though. Very active chat today. Thanks. Yeah, great chat. Thanks, everybody. And then I, I also want to thank um, a couple of places. I want to thank the History Channel because they invited me to um, – well, essentially, I did an alien con last night. I hosted a panel for The Proof is Out There with journalists. It's, it's headed by journalist um, Tony Harris, uh, one of the, uh, the their investigators, kind of Alexis Brooks, who shows up in the show, uh, was on there. And then also one of their producers, Miguel uh, Sancho, was on there. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So I want to thank History Channel Alien Con for inviting me to do that. And I want to say, have you watched this show at all? The proof is out there. No. You should. It, it's pretty good. Uh, they did the Aguadilla case. They did uh, a UFO case in the first episode I wasn't aware of. Um, but what I love about the show is that they really analyze. They have different experts, including people we know, like uh, journalist MJ Benias. Um, you know, Mark D'Antonio is on there. Tim McMillan. Uh, MJ Benias and Tim McMillan actually are part of the debrief. They run the debrief. Uh, that's who we've been talking about here. So they're on that show. Um, I can't remember I can't who else. I didn't know about it. Wow. Uh, on the latest episode, though, Richard Hoffman from the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies was on there because he was talking about the Aguadilla, Puerto Rico case. Yep. Um, that's on the show, too. But what's cool is I like their calls. The ones that they've debunked, I agree with. And the ones that they haven't debunked where they're like, hey, I think this is um, something that is unidentified. That one, um, I've agreed with them when they've called something unidentified. So I think they're doing a really good job scrutinizing these videos. And that's why I like the show. And there's some videos and weirdness I haven't seen before. So that's really good stuff. So I'm going to thank them. Yeah. Yeah. Dan is saying Alejandro believes Sam Romanek but doesn't believe Lazar. And that's a complete lie. Um, I do not believe Stan Romanek. I don't know where you've been for the last decade, but uh, you were friends I, with him years ago. That's I was friends with him and his family. I still adore uh, much of his family. Great people, but no, I don't believe him. I never necessarily. I, I don't think I ever said I believed him. Um, I just always said I think it's something interesting to investigate. But uh, he certainly, and I've said this for years, he's he's a, he's a scammer. Um, he's lied to me and he's lied to all of his friends and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not believe on Stan Romanek or Lazar. <laughs> Unfortunately, when the story is too hard to, too good to be true, it often is. Um, 
But the other show that is coming up that started this week that I got to participate in something, I want to thank Sci-Fi Channel because they invited me to do. What's weird is both of these things you can't go watch, which is unfortunate. But um, it's a Resident Alien. There's a new show, Resident Alien. Alan Tyduck from Firefly is the main character, but essentially he's an alien in disguise. He comes here to destroy the planet, but uh, is actually caught up in some kind of murder mystery. And uh, I think he starts to like humans or something like this, but it's a comedy. And we saw some clips and it was really, really funny. Um, but they invited me and some other journalists to do trivia with them. So we got in this big Zoom with the cast from the show, and we did oh alien God. trivia, and it was a lot of fun. That sounds um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Canoodles. Awesome. Says he worked on the school set of Resident Alien. So he says it's a really weird show and that Alan is a true hero. Um, thanks. Some behind the scenes from Canoodle there. Oh, Anonymous Rex says uh, it's a super weird show. Anonymous Rex was, uh, by the way, the guy in the chat was in the proof. Uh, the proof is out there. Zoom that we did last night, too. Thanks for joining that. Mr. Rex, that was a lot of fun. And he was on my, what is Doug reading yesterday, I think. So um, here's a last question. So those are the two people I wanted to thank, some things that I've done lately. And I was on the Unidentified Celebrity Review uh, he asked me about Stan oh. Romanek on that show too. That was a ton of fun. Definitely go do that. Have, were you on there? I think you were, right? Yeah. So that's fun. I think he's going to have Doug soon. But uh, go to the Unidentified Celebrity Review and check that out. It's a lot of fun. But we'll wrap it up with this. Um, a question for you, Martin. Where is Martin Stan on the latest UFO news? <laughs> was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. I saw it. Um, I agree. You agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you definitely, I would say this, Martin is not afraid to pipe in when he has an opinion or something to share. Uh, and you're not, I don't think you're, you're never afraid to disagree with me either. No, no, I've disagreed with a few. Um, but I don't think that there's – I said anything you disagree with, nor – we pretty much see eye to eye. There's still time. But uh, we've really gone over time, though, haven't we? Yeah, we really have. We're 15 minutes. But I guess just to, to put you on the, the spot there, um, I know you feel similar about Lazar, right? Oh, yes. And I know uh, similar about Ruminic. I've talked about the the uh, mail I get every time I talk about it. You must get some mail too. Uh, a lot of people don't want to hear it, and uh, you know, I I was going by, and again, this isn't this isn't factual, but I was going by what uh, I've seen people like him before, and I've seen people tell tales like him before, and it just just hit me wrong right from the very beginning when I first started watching him. Um, I don't know. It, it was just more of a gut feeling to begin with. And then once I really looked into it, um, it just seemed like there was just too many, too many red flags. And this part goes without saying Martin, of course, is a very stand up guy and, um, and he doesn't like dishonesty at all. 
Um, and I agree. That's something we, we also feel with. So Martin has a very um, large reaction to people who are dishonest. So, you know, yeah, you we get a couple of things. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, Lazar Bigelow. I do want to hear, though, kind of circle back. What are your thoughts on I know you didn't see the recent interview, but um, should his word be taken for gospel? Um, you know, just because he's extremely successful and very wealthy, um, he has spent a lot of money on on looking into the UFO topic, for instance. Um, but I don't know, you, you know, just because he is intelligent and wealthy, does that make him an authority? I, I would say it doesn't make anyone any less or more because it's still there's still more questions than answers. And I don't see any, you know, good answers. Um, yeah. So, and then I, yeah. So, and then finally to the stars, um, just to get you on the record there, how do you feel about all of that? And I'm glad somebody asked, I should have circled back to ask you these things actually before. Um, but, uh, yeah. What do you think about, you know, them leaving, uh, and, and the future for to the stars? Well, I think there was obviously a reason for them to leave that we probably don't really know about. Um, and, and I think it's interesting that they decided to do this together. And um, I'm also wondering if to the stars is going to try to get someone, you know, back in to kind of fill the shoes or try to, I'm wondering if they're pursuing anything like that, if they want to hang on to what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, you know, that, they do very well in the entertainment part of it, but there's still um, there's still some real heavies in there right now. So I'm, I, I would imagine they would try to, you know, fill the the place, the spots. Mm -hmm. I, I would think. You know yeah. who that? Would be, I have no idea. Yeah, and if they even have the money to fill those spots, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know what he's going to focus on. Who knows where he'll go? I don't know. Um, Tom, if you're out there, you know that I'm here for you yeah. and, uh, you know, to help you figure that out if you want. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That's a, it's a great point. Um, and, you know, some people said, someone said, we don't need more storytellers with Bigelow. But then someone also said, well, maybe he does have more information than we do. And that's possible. I, I you know, Bigelow may have more. It's just we're, we're at a spot where, you know, we can spout our beliefs left and right, but right now prove it. It's something I always tell Elizondo, don't say it unless you can prove it. Mm. Period. You know, and I think that's a good, especially if you want to, in, if you're in a spot and he doesn't have to care so much. If you're in a spot where you're trying to maintain your credibility, don't say it unless you can prove it. And if you do say it, that's why I use the term allegedly all <laughs> so much, because, you know, a lot of what we talk about is alleged, um, or speculated, but it's not proven. So we don't know. So a couple other questions that have shown up in the chat, we're going to have to save till next time. Someone wants to know about my UFO sighting or if I've had a UFO sighting, I have, we can talk about that next time. Um, stay tuned. Yeah. yeah, stay tuned. Uh, let's see. There were a couple other questions in there, but uh, save it for next time. One person said, and this is a great question. Thank you, because I'm so terrible at the basics of what you should do, like tell people when your next shows are and everything. I'm trying to remember that. So 
Um, of course, I the next show will be Martin's show. Uh, your show runs on Tuesday, right? Yep. And I have uh, Melanie Kirkendorf from the Berkshires UFO. She's going to be on the show. Oh, interesting. I know you love that case. You've been doing a lot of stuff on that. Yeah. And a lot of people love that case. So um, that's a really good one. What I like the best about that case is all we, I ever knew it as is the Tom Reed case. I had no mm. idea there were other people involved. And I think he, he's still trying to keep it that way, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, for me, I, uh, I haven't set up an interview because I've got so many things that have been happening with like history and sci-fi and others that are pending. I think I'm through all that stuff now. Oh, no, I am going to do another Alien Con, actually, a panel with Nick Pope is going to be heading it up, and we're going to be talking about government files and stuff like that. So that's going to be coming up, but that's uh, in a couple weeks. Um, I will be doing a What is Doug Reading next week on Thursday. Of course, we'll be doing this show again next week. And if nothing else comes up, I always like to do at least an interview. It's hard for me to fit in more than one. So that's why I haven't done any the last couple of weeks because I've been doing the Sci-Fi History Channel stuff. But if nothing pops up, I'll probably do an interview with Adam Kehoe because there's a lot we need to catch up on. He runs the blog Strategic Doubt, and he's had a couple, now three articles out that are vital. I mean, when it comes to this, that's what's great about these more mainstream and PhD and more credible people coming out to work on this because they're doing some amazing work. Like the stuff at Debrief. I think they're they're great at the Debrief. But um, he's got uh, an article he wrote on Russian UFO uh, and the Russian government's history and a couple on data analysis from uh, UFO uh, efforts in the past to gather UFO reports and stuff like that. So we'll talk about that with Adam. Really important stuff. Um, when are we going to discuss the elephant in the room, Chris Bledsoe? We're not. Uh, that's a good question. I think that's a fair question. I, I, you know, I've met him. Nice guy. I've read Pasolka's book. I just don't personally. I, you know, I was going to put it this way, and I know this sounds harsh, and this isn't how I mean it, but I'm just going to say it because it's kind of the best way to convey. Um, I don't see any value in talking to that story in relation to what I cover. So, for instance, if I were to cover um, experiencers or abduction phenomena, um, even if I were to cover that, which I don't think it's a topic that's, you know, off the, the base, but I would probably talk to a researcher. In fact, this may frustrate some of you, but tough. I would really like to, it, it will make some of you really excited. I think I really want to get an interview with Susan Clancy. If you saw the last episode of unidentified, I thought she was great. Um, an actual, you know, scientist who's looked into abduction. Um, sure. Some of you can disagree with some of her findings, but certainly some of her findings are solid. Um, and that's the sort of, area we have to bring the conversation into is doing some serious research around some of that stuff. Uh, his photos and stuff, I don't know of any that have been truly um, um, verified. Like, for instance, right now, I'll look at photos, but unless they're extremely interesting and I think that I could take it somewhere and it can get analyzed, um, and his photos, I just, you know, uh, I haven't felt compelled to do that. I haven't felt like, hey, this is important enough where I need to get someone to look at it because they can prove something with this photo. 
photos and videos are difficult to have that sort of thing by themselves anyway. So yeah, I probably, I'm not going the Chris Bledsoe direction and a lot of what's surrounding the Chris Bledsoe situation, for those of you who don't know, he is someone who is an experiencer who has some very credible people who feel like, you know, they've been around when he's had some things happen. Um, but I'm really in the area right now where I'm looking at more of the solid stuff. I'm looking at what mainstream's doing, what government's doing, the policy issues around some of this stuff. I'm really focused on that because I think that's the cutting edge. Chris Bledsoe has been around for decades. Uh, abductees have been around for decades. Um, you know, uh, um, and so, you know, I, I think I'm looking for if something broke there where we had some sort of report that came out, you know, where they analyzed something Chris Bledsoe had obtained, that would be different. That would be hot news. And then we would want to talk more about that. But that's, uh, I think, a fair question, Rodrigo, because I know UFO Twitter, especially after Diana Pasolka's book, is really excited about Chris Bledsoe. But I don't have any plans to do anything um, in, in that respect at this point. So... And Christian, you know, I've seen a lot of videos, but, um, you know, once they get analyzed or something, you know, that's when I would pay attention. But, uh, and like I've said before, especially in journalism, we've got to refer to the, defer to the experts. And um, so that's who I want to talk to are the experts, what they found, what sort of analysis and, and actual data and, and that we've been able to obtain. So uh, YouTube video, eh, um, but yeah, I've Semivan was at his place. So what? I don't know. I, it's just it, again we get these cult of personality. Semivan was in Two the Stars. It's great. He used to work in the CIA. He believes he's had his own experience. He was in Two the Stars. Um, he's been at his place. He's interested in this case. There's a lot of people with great backgrounds who are interested in paranormal. Just because someone's interested in the case doesn't mean it substantiates the case um, at all. And I guess that's kind of the theme, even when it comes to Bigelow. Um, you know, we need data. It's a talk is cheap. We've had talk for decades that's gotten us nowhere. Um, being able to put forth and demonstrate credible and for, you know, and substantiate these credible cases, that's what's brought us to a, a place of uh, credibility in this field. And I do love Sam. Samavan's a nice man. He's a really cool dude. So I really like, I love Bigelow. I love all these people. I love George Knapp. Um, I've met Lazara. I had fun hanging out with him. But, um, you know, it's different when it comes down to data and research. Um, nobody cares about your opinion when it comes to, the data doesn't care about your opinion. Is that the saying when it comes to yeah. science? Yeah. All right. Sorry. We need to wrap that up. But I wanted to answer that question. I need to quit looking at the chat. I'm going to close it. All right. Is that it, Martin? That's it. Yes, sorry. That's it, Martin. Thank you for sticking around. I know we went over, but it was a lot of fun. It has been a while since we've done a show together. It was before the holidays, right? Month. Yeah. Something yeah. Like so probably like a month or something. You almost died. The audience thought you were dead, I think, for a while. My computer died last week. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so. now you're on your your new computer has worked beautifully. It looks great. It's worked perfectly the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's Max for you. We're both on our Max. Yeah. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us. I so appreciate you guys coming. Thank you so much for all of the questions. I'm sorry that I can't answer all your questions. I do love them, even if they're... Um, 
you know, I really love all of the questions. Absolutely all of the questions. As long as they're not racist or rude or, you know, rhetorical just to be trolly. But you guys aren't. You, you asked some really great questions. So I do love all of your questions. I hope I never give the impression that I don't because they're excellent questions. Um, they're what you're thinking and you deserve these answers. You know, uh, that's our whole thing is we want transparency. So that's what we're trying to do uh, as much as we can for you. Um, and being honest and speaking from our hearts. Um, so you know, you know how we feel about it instead of trying to spin or trying to save people's feelings. And of course, I don't like it when people's feelings get hurt. Certainly, George Knapp has gotten pretty upset with me, at least on a couple occasions. <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate, but luckily we can talk it out and stuff. And, you know, we're very passionate about these topics, all of us. So um, that passion comes out sometimes, uh, you know, when we're discussing and everything. You've got our Twitter there. So do follow our Twitters because you'll see what we're up to and when stuff is going to come up. I am really bad at giving prior notice um, when these things show up. So I do put it on Twitter when they do come out. So check that out. Otherwise, uh, be sure to op look at openminds.tv for the latest UFO news. Um, and follow me right here on uh, Facebook and or YouTube. If you keep an eye on Facebook, you'll see when we go live. If you hit the little bell down there in YouTube and subscribe, you'll be notified when we're doing something live. Or even better, if you join, you'll be able to see everything that I've got down there. And, of course, you can go visit Podcast UFO for information about Martin. And I've got links down there, too, for all of these things. And I'll have links about the stories we talked about, too, which wasn't a whole lot this time. I had, like, a list that was huge last time. But anyway, yep. uh, thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. Until then, adios, adios. mood, chato. chato.